Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Did you watch? Did you watch the arraignment process? Like, did you watch the live coverage? Um, Any of it? I didn't watch the like the coverage, but I think I've like not live anyway. But I think I've probably right. listened to and uh, just about every podcast <laughs> talking about it that is could possibly be listened to. I'm pretty sure. And obviously, si- side note, news coverage. What? What are what podcasts are you talking about? Um, so I listen to a good bit of Daily Wire stuff that they put out. Um, so I'll listen to like the morning the Morning Wire, but also beyond that Morning Wire. I listen to uh, I'll sh- typically listen to Ben Shapiro, and I'll usually listen to Matt Walsh as well. Occasionally, I'll listen to Michael Knowles and just kind of hear the difference in their takes on it. Um, Who's Michael Knowles? He's another one of the podcasters on there on off the Daily Wire. Oh, okay. Um, I will also listen to. Typically, I will listen to Megyn Kelly. Um, and one of the reasons that I listen to her is because she tends to kind of walk middle of the road for most of it. Um, she leans conservative, sure, but she is sort of middle of the road. She's not. Uh, she's not overtly conservative like most of the people on the daily wire and she's not um she's not super liberal either um you don't think megan fox is overtly conservative megan kelly is not megan fox. megan kelly sorry. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't think i listen to megan fox ever <laughs> on anything <laughs> <laughs> the blood drinking celebrity yeah. um i think she she no having listened to, i've probably listened to the vast majority of her podcast for the last couple of years. And I would say yeah. she is, she does lean conservative, but she would be more probably not maybe kind of in the Mitt Romney, maybe not quite Mitt Romney area of conservative politics. Um, so I think she does lean conservative. Like, you know, th- there's no question about that, but uh, I listen to her mainly not only because of that, but also because she has a legal background and she, the people that she has on are a lot of times not conservatives at all, but they mm-hmm. have a, she's a very good interviewer. She asks really good questions and, um, and she kind of gets to the bottom of the situation really fast. And um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a pretty fair treatment of it, you know, and, and the people that she has on, she had on like yesterday, a couple days ago, yesterday, maybe, two um, lawyers who really, I think, probably represent the left, to be honest with you. They, they, tend, to, they, they tend to decide on the, on the Trump side of things uh, with this, except for one of them was kind of, you know, questioning some things and, and that kind of thing. But they were just really insightful and really helpful to understand the legal process of what's going on, which is good. So I tend to so listen to those, it, I think, it, mostly. Those are probably the ones. Yeah. It seems most. It, it seems like both sides of the aisle. There are people who are are saying this whole thing is is a sham. That it's a it's a light case at best. I don't know from what, from all of those fifteen podcasts you just mentioned. Who 
Is there anyone saying anything else that's worth listening to? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. Um, I think there is uh, there's a lot going on in it that is um, kind of difficult to unpack and wade through. One thing that's significant is that the charges, like the the actual crime underneath that he's being charged mm-hmm. with, was not disclosed, and that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in New York law, you don't have to disclose it. And that's what Alvin Bragg Mm -hmm. basically said, told everybody was, I don't have to disclose it, so I'm not Mm -hmm. going to. But all of it is predicated on him making a campaign contribution in order to cover up a crime. And Mm -hmm. the crime that he allegedly covered up has not, that's what hasn't been disclosed yet. So that's a huge problem for anybody that's wanting to know about the case or predict what's going to happen or whatever. We don't know any of that information. So right, that's what makes it challenging right now. But then um, a, a, another guy I listened to basically said that um, the, the prob- one big hurdle in this case is the definition of a campaign contribution is very specific. So in order for something to be a campaign contribution, it cannot be something mm-hmm. that just merely helps your campaign. It has to be something mm-hmm. that you could not do unless you were running for office. So for instance, like the allegation is that he made a, a campaign contribution with his own money and used it to pay off uh, the lawyer fees, basically, is what he wrote it down in the books as or what it went down in the books mm-hmm. as and that's the mm-hmm. the problem is that the bookkeeping was not uh, essentially what um up to snuff or whatever not legal but it's all predicated on that being a campaign contribution and uh i listened to a guy who is i actually he was on megan kelly he was over um campaign finance something i don't know he's a chairman of some campaign finance committee or something And he said, um, campaign finance contribution has a specific definition. It has to be a contribution that you can only make if you are running for office. So for instance, if you bought a car that would help you get from one place to another to make your campaign stops, that's not a campaign. That's not something you can finance through the campaign. Um, if you brought a hairbrush that, you know, you know, helps you, you make your hair look good for campaign stops. That's not something that can be contributed to campaign. But if you took out a billboard that said, vote for me, then that is a campaign contribution because you could only do that if you were running for office. So it starts to get into very sticky territory where he, he was saying he's not even sure that the, the, the charge will even stick because it's, it has nothing to do with the campaign. So therefore all the rest of the stuff crumbles if it's not a campaign contribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. So, I, don't, I mean, yeah, crazy situation we're in. Yeah. We're in crazy times. It is. I, I have probably heard the word unprecedented, an unprecedented amount of times in the past 10 days <laughs> in the podcast that I listened to. I mean... <laughs> This is unprecedented. It's it. sad. This is a sad time in America, and yeah, I, is it? I mean, we had it a is. we had I mean, a we had a guy resign from office. 
in the 70s for spying on the other side. I mean, is it unprecedented? We have, we have, no, no, we have, you know, and th- another thing is that I keep hearing, even, even on the Morning Wire stuff, they have, it's like they're obsessed with making it known that uh, this was a porn star. So it's always porn star Stormy Daniels. Yeah. They're, we're just engrossed in, in the scandal of the whole thing. There's a, there's a past president who, when he began to run for president, he, uh, it was published in, I think, Chicago Tribune or something like that, that he had had an affair, that he paid to keep the affair quiet, that he, and there was a child out of the affair, and he's been on making ongoing payments for this child. He's not, he's ne- he was never married. And it's Grover Cleveland in like the 1880s, I think. And Democrat at the time, but middle of the aisle, conservative kind of guy, had vote, a lot of votes from both sides. And um, it, it was extremely scandalous. And then he, then he turned around and married this 22-year-old girl in the White House, first wedding ever in the White House. And so I'm reading his biography right now, and I'm like, you, you could make like four or five bullet points about him and his affair and his payment cover-up, and you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, he was never charged with a crime. Uh, he admitted everything that he did, and he, he even actually got more votes and more support because he, because he came out as an honest man and because he was helping this woman who had been put in multiple institutions and helping the child. And so he was like, he got good guy points once it all once it all came out. And there were multiple levels of false stories. She ended up coming out and making a story. Uh, she, she signed a false statement under pressure. Then she came back and gave her own interview uh, later on that said he actually he actually was helpful to her, yada, yada. He's the son of a preacher. He's like fifth or sixth generation Presbyterian minister, and he went into law instead of ministry. She, she might say anyway, he was just, the only boy that could ever reach her. <laughs> she could say that. Good grief. <clears throat> the point is, it's just, it's the son of a preacher. It's man. not that. Un, it's it's <laughs> not that unprecedented. No, because I mean, uh, there there are certainly have, some things. Have people, have people used the law for political expediency? Oh man! Ah, uh, of course, of course. You know, has a has a uh, a past president been convicted of a crime and arraigned? No, but well, you know, it's just it, not that different. The, the, than I think the only many things that have happened. The only thing that right now is kind of that's super weird is uh, to be not only to be a former president, to be campaigning to become the next president, to be arrested yeah. by your political opponent. And not charged with a specific crime yet. Like to not even know what your crime is that you're being mm-hmm. charged with. I think that is the part where you go, okay, this opens the door to a lot of, you know, uh, issues coming forward. I mean, essentially, we're, 
I think entering into a a time where Republicans and Democrats are no longer going to fight in the town square and argue back and forth over mm-hmm. policy, but they're going to fight in the courtroom. And mm-hmm. because essentially the things that he's being charged with right now, at least in the New York case, now I don't know about all the other ones that are coming. There's Washington. I think there's also Georgia. Um, and I don't know, really know much about them, but I think, um, you know, what what is un what is, what is about to take place? I think is uh, where Republicans are going to start dragging Democrats into the court, and then in turn Democrats are going to drag more Republicans into the court, and we're just going to keep you know because I think pretty much every politician could be arrested on these grounds. It seems like not all of it was in relation mm-hmm. to you know a, a illicit affair, but mm-hmm. or an alleged affair. But it, which which I understand isn't even illegal. No, and the camp the, like the, the the hush money payment itself isn't Ill, the, doing that is not an illegal move. Right. So, but what what is I think gonna you know you you could probably dig into every politician's books and find campaign finance issues where they you know um, did things not quite by the books. And could be dragged into court on the same grounds, you know. So I think that might be different, you know. So yeah. it, we could be in some pretty dangerous sure. territory. Maybe you might even say unprecedented. You've heard it again. You heard it here yeah. first. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, like as a pastor, then. I mean, does this, it, it just hasn't concerned me that much. It's not much different than the direction of the uh, use of the Supreme Court to make legislation, you know, and, and cut out a legislative process in the Obergefell case, for example. It's just, so it's just, it's just not, it doesn't feel that new to me as a development in what's going on in America. It's almost kind of like, yeah, big shocker. You know, uh, a New York Democratic attorney, you know, put put a case forward ab- about Donald Trump in the election. Shocker. You know, so it is unprecedented, like you said, but I, just, I don't know. I'm just not that um, shocked by it all. It's been talked about for a while. So do we, should we be, you know, hot about it, concerned about it, neg- you know, just forget about it, go on with life? Does it even does it even bother you that much? Well, honestly, like even as a pastor, you know, some of the things that I, I think I, I've been the most um, like thinking through, puzzle, puzzling over, is how much um, impact, how much should a pastor engage in the fight of like globalism, of you know communism, of socialism when the when those things when you see those things beginning to take hold that largely uh involve the political arena at least right now mm-hmm. how much should we talk about those things uh uh educate our, our congregation on and i i don't know if it's you know they t- they say the older you get the more conservative you get um and i don't know if it's because i'm getting older or or what that i I see the the 
um, th- those two spheres blending a little bit more, and uh, mm-hmm. where where you you almost have to say, um, yeah, communism is not Christian. <laughs> it's anti- mm-hmm. antithetical to Christian values. And um, mm-hmm. socialism is antithetical to Christian values, and personal property is Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. and so so th- there's that side of me as a pastor that thinks like, how much should we actually engage? Like, you know, I I have people on all sides of this, not necessarily on all sides of the aisle per se, but but really on all sides of political engagement. So some that are like. They'll tell me what happened on on the news, you know, before I even make it home. Oh, did you see this? Do you see this? And mm-hmm. like, you feel like that's all they do is they sit on and watch the yeah. news, you know. And then and then I have other yeah. people like I think my wife is one who just who's like would rather just check out of politics altogether. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to think about yeah. it. It depresses me, you know. And they kind of so I have people on all ends of that spectrum. And how much should Politics, especially when it comes to like big political swings that are anti-Christian in their values, how much should that make it into the pulpit? And at what point do we go, yeah, I'm crossing the Rubicon at the risk of you calling me a pastor who pounds politics from the pulpit. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about this because it's, it's anti-Christian. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's always my fear is like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to pound policy. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. I want to take the word of God. I want to talk about it, what it means. And I want to explain it, um, to the people in the congregation. But my worry is like where at some point that's going to touch on the current political, you know, arena. And at what point do you just go ahead and push into that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, age old question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. You're, you're preaching through Scripture. You're going to come to Romans 13. You're going to come to 1 Timothy. And the call to pray for all people, kings, and all those in high places. You're, um, you're going to see the, the example of Israel and Babylon and the, the command to, to do your neighbor good to, to do good for the city even that you're that you're uh, exiled in as an example for us so we, we ought we ought to be concerned about those things but even even the best nation which is outside the church and under the direct rule of the of King Jesus and his church and his people every nation is outside that yeah. I mean, every, it's it's a it's a polity, it's a people, it's a citizenship that is unique from the church and from the kingdom of heaven. It's a different line of authority. One is heavenly and eternal; the other is earthly and temporal. And both designed by God, both instituted by God, both government and the, the church. Um, but yeah, when when it comes to the church I mean we've talked about this before I think you know the church being the the conscience to the government the church being uh, prophetic to the government um, but don't really have any authority to uh, you know on you know in the name of Christ as the church fight you know violence uh, go to war so it's you know pray 
pray regularly in your church for officials locally, nationally, statewide. Um, but I, I, like, I've had a hard time, though, seeing a lot of social media posts um, uh, today. I was just scrolling through Facebook and Twitter some this morning, and there's a lot of pray for Trump stuff, a lot of Trump support things, like he's like he's a martyr. Yeah. And um, the, I don't know what I don't know what to do with that. This is I'm not. I, and uh, okay, so this is like the the. It's not. It's not just a, a pet peeve. It's it's like there there's something wrong, and it, it's there's this difficult line that I always feel uh, that I'm walking as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, where here is a guy who allegedly did something that's sinful, and that in I've heard him compared to Jesus. Like Jesus was mm-hmm. tried unjustly, you know. Um, I think mm-hmm. Marjorie Taylor Greene said that yesterday in an interview. So, mm. you know, I look at that and I'm like, okay, no. First of all, that's not. Yeah, we, we should. There's no comparison between the two people. Um, so, you know, let's set that aside. Um, mm. he's he's acu- accused of doing something. And and. There, there's no crime being brought forward. And so I can look at the court case and I can go, that seems unjust. Mm-hmm. Not that a person who allegedly did what they say he did, which, I mean, he's saying he didn't do it, you know, so I don't know. I don't I don't know what's what's yeah. right or wrong. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I'm, that's not my fight. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but the point is, he's, he's not like a, a moral upstanding guy. And so I'm not trying the number of presidents who have had an affairs is a long list. Right. And I'm I'm not trying Aside to from him personally. Yeah, defend anything he did or didn't do and say like, no, that's okay, you know, it's fine. But I can also look at the court case and go he he doesn't seem to have committed a crime that you're accusing him of and I think everybody needs to be be made aware of their charges and face their accuser mm-hmm. like that that seems yeah. biblical and just so on the one mm-hmm. side we're going this is an injustice and on the other side i hear these other people who are also screaming about its injustice and equating trump to jesus and i'm like no no that's too far um mm-hmm. so it, it's this it's like this weird line and it's specific to this guy it's specific to Donald Trump that is so difficult. On the one side, he's been super conservative when he's in office and he enacts policies and things like this and and argues for policies. And some of those policies, I'm like, I agree with. He's negotiated, he's been a friend to Israel, which I think politically makes a lot of sense globally. Um, and he's been, he's been, you know, as far as conservatives, put in justices that I feel like are wanting to interpret the Constitution for the most part. Okay, so those things are good, and and I'm glad for that. On the other side, there's an immoral nature to him that seems to just follow him around. Some of the things he's been accused of, maybe he did didn't do, and then some of the things he very much did do, and it's proven that he did do those things. And mm-hmm. so you don't want to defend those at all. 
So it's this really weird position that I think a lot of Christians are in. And the concern that I have, and I was concerned about this before 2016, is if Hillary Clinton had won, I didn't fear that the church would, you know, be all of a sudden in league with Washington. But if Trump won, which he did, I felt like the church was in in real danger of kind of hitching its wagons to Washington and feeling like, you know, whatever happened in Washington was immediately yeah, going we, to impact we the won. church. Yeah, we won. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. and so the kingdom of God just sort of gets lost in all of that and what we're supposed to be as a church. And then all of a sudden you see these pastors going up to Washington and and advocating, you know, Trump and and, and all these kinds of things. And it's it's like, you know, what I do in the ballot box or, or whatever, uh, you know, I may vote for Trump or I may not or whatever, but I don't see how that is how you you have to hitch those things to Christianity inherently. You know what I mean? And so it just, Mm -hmm. it became this sort of, you know, very troubling situation. I feel like we're still in. And I know several Christians in our church are like, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I don't want, you know, the, I feel like the country is moving in a progressively sinful direction. And Mm -hmm. I feel like conservative policies might stem the tide on some of that. At the same Mm -hmm. time, you know, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah, and I, I'm thankful. There's a couple, a couple of the podcasts I listened to said, you know, the greater danger here, there's there's political uh, leverage to be used one way or the other. You know, you you sent me that picture that uh, artificial intelligence had created of Trump being arrested. And it's got him. He's like he's like fighting, and there's yeah. guys pulling him, and his hair's messed up, and he's angry, and he's yeah. trying to. And I'm like, that's not how this is gonna go. No, that was like last week, because uh, Trump will definitely make this part of his campaign, and and use it. Yeah, and he he came up last night. Was it last night? Tuesday night, and you know gave a big public speech about it. You yeah. know, big big applaud campaign speech, and so. There's been multiple reports that he's taken in millions and millions of dollars as soon as uh, the announcement that he was going to be arraigned came out. So, you know, politically, I think there's only going to – it's not going to change. It's the same news line about liberal Democrat and just making him more like a martyr in many people's minds. It's it's not really uh, making those lines change. But what I've been listening to by several reporters, and I don't remember the, the names of the commentators invited on to speak into it, attorneys and such, is the uh, what this what you're getting at before, what this really is in terms of uh, legal precedent, in terms of the legal system being used like this on such a grand public uh, scale in the midst of an election that. The greater danger to America, you you take the best man we've ever had. You take Abraham Lincoln himself, and you falsely accuse him, and you make him a martyr, and you put him in court. The greater danger isn't that we would lose Lincoln, or that we would lose Trump, or that some candidate gets lost, but that law becomes a political, uh, uh, you know, a political uh, machine mm-hmm. where. You really want to get at your opponent. Find the right court. Find the right guy. D- does it does it uh, actually involve a crime? That really doesn't matter that much. 
The point is we just use, we use the court systems. You know, and I think a lot of people might look at the impeachments uh, toward both Clinton and Trump, you know, in similar fashions. You know, what, what was really there? Uh, what does this really do? Is, is it a true intention of the idea of impeachment? Is this is a true intention of the law. Because you have a lot of people, should, you know, complaining about the discrepancies between the New York attorney. You know, he's making this his, his life. And meanwhile, New York crime is soaring. You've got all these pieces. But so so for me, I'm like, I want to I want to step back and go. This definitely isn't about Trump. I'm not worried about Trump. I'm not. I don't care if Trump loses the election or loses political prowess. I would probably prefer that. This, the the greater concern is 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 the legal system, is the law, uh, being torn down. You know, like piece by piece over time, so that now the the law is something else. The the courts are something else, and. Um, I haven't read a ton about uh, history, but, you know, uh, there's a great book on Roger Williams. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. One of the first attorneys in America that fought for freedom of speech after being imprisoned because um, – what was he imprisoned for? Do you remember? Mm-mm. So did he go be a ba- – he was a congregationalist? Yeah, I he was think? a Baptist Is pastor in Rhode Island? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Or first maybe, Baptist pastor? First, I, I don't know. No, he's anyway. First Baptist Charleston, wasn't it? Charleston, South Carolina? Is it, I don't think is, that's right. Or is it Providence, Rhode Island? I think it's, I think it's Providence, Rhode Island. And it, was he the, the one that the, uh, the root the, grew through his skull whenever they buried him in his casket? Oh, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I've never, never been to his grave, so I don't know. Well, I exhumed him and found the roots. No, I don't know. Somebody did. You found it. And the root grew through his skull. But, I think that's the same one. <laughs> the point I remember reading that book and Fact realizing check. I don't I don't think I knew how significant the rule of law is in our country, what separates it from other other forms of government. Yeah. Um the same for I want to say Supreme Court Justice Marshall Johnson, is that his name? Uh, one of the early Supreme Court justices. Some of the the precedent that he set legally in the Supreme Court system rules our country today. Mm. And so it's not like I, I hear those things and I'm, and I'm thinking it, it's not like uh, we're just kind of, um, you know, this is a bad political move. This isn't nice. No, if, you know, our our Supreme Court and our legislative process and our uh, – you know, and and now this this court are just examples of how the the use of of law in upholding a free and accountable and um, uh, safeguarded society. It's that's that's what's being touched on multiple fronts yeah. in in the recent decades. Um, not totally unprecedented, but significantly. Um, uh, attacked significantly, challenged, and I think that's what this is an example of for me. Um, so for, I'm like, pray for Donald Trump. Sure, we should be praying for Donald Trump as a former president, as a candidate. We should be praying for all the candidates. We should be praying for the current president, for our current governor, for our current uh, mayor. Sure, um, but I don't look at this guy like a martyr and think, 
you know, man, if he goes that, you know, we're just, uh, you know, it's all going to fall, you know? Right. Um, well, and I don't, think, it, I don't you, think that way. You would think of, we ought, we ought to be praying for the, the rule of law itself. We ought to be praying for, yeah. uh, men to like first, like Paul says in first Timothy, that we ought to be able to live peaceful and quiet lives that Romans 13, our government ought to, we ought to be praying that our government would praise righteousness, rejoice in righteousness, and punish wicked and evil, yeah. and know the difference. And, you know, like Isaiah, not call, you know, evil good and good evil. And that's what we ought to be praying for. And that's what this is, that's what this is ultimately about, is what kind of society are we, do we have? Yeah. And it's no shocker that, uh, you know, this... This movement did not happen in like a vacuum of otherwise safe, highly functional, uh, you know, pure democratic freedom. I mean, there, there's been eroding and concerns for, for decades historically yeah. um, uh, about that, you know, our, our governments, our, our legal system. It's not new. No. It, you know, it's just... It's, we're just kind of asking the question: Where is this going to go? You know, are are people going uh, to vote? Put people in office who who understand the rule of law, who submit to the legislative processes put forward in the Constitution, are we going to respect the branches of the government and their their limits of authority, or are we going to abuse them? Yeah. And but how how much longer? Thing? We're still finding out. How much longer can a can a country? endure the kind of fractured state that we're in right now where okay if let's let's say this goes to the next step where there's payback okay so there's you know trump goes through this now uh some conservative state out there brings charges up against hillary let's say and pulls her into court and then every candidate every president that runs on either side is engaged in tons of legal battles after they're out of office or maybe while they're in office. How long can we endure that before either one side dominates the other or the nation is just fractured completely? Which is particularly mm -hmm. challenging in a situation like we're in being a United States the there's there's you know for the most part there is a division north and south but not really you know i mean mm -hmm. there's even div sharp divisions within states you know yeah like increasingly california yeah. is largely red except for the huge metropolitan cities you know la mm -hmm. and san francisco for the most part and that carries the state mm -hmm. blue so you have divisions within states like that and and a lot of it's mm -hmm. coming down to this the 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 way the rule of law functions and if you think about like can can christianity function under communism yeah it can and it has and it is currently mm -hmm. uh can it function mm -hmm. under capitalism yes it can and it has so the the question is not so much for us as christians um, what are we going to do if, right? That we know the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against the church. 
You may send them underground. You may silence them. You may limit the voice and the spread of their voice in the town square. That may happen and probably mm-hmm. will happen. But that's a whole different thing than killing the church altogether. That's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that it's not yeah. so much like when the justice system falls or falters or we start getting into this kind of ordeal or we see, you know. Yeah, banana republics. Yeah, we the see. Big word right now. Right. We see banana republic type stuff coming up or mm-hmm. we see uh, even like social issues uh, like transgenderism and, and things like that that are taking root in with younger and younger kids and things like that. My fear is not what implications this will have on Christ's church as much. Mm -hmm. It's more thinking about um, what what is the position of Christians and how will they easily fall prey to a particular way of thinking. That's one. So, So one concern that I have is that, like you, like we had just pointed out, that we'll look at this person that's going through this situation and 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 only see two categories. He's either guilty and needs to go to prison, or he's a martyr. And it's actually more complicated than that. It's not as black and white as people want to make it seem. But the trap that a Christian will mm-hmm. fall into is, well, I don't think he deserves jail, so therefore he's a martyr. No, he's actually done things that are immoral, okay? And so mm-hmm. he's not Jesus, right? So that's one thing is like keeping the church and God's people from falling into the trap of, you know, kind of two two ideas, you know, that are out there. Let's there's actually different options that we probably need to take. And say we can we can say on one end, he's done some things for which he's guilty and uh needs to repent. And at the same time, I don't think he's guilty of that or guilty of of what you what you're saying and he's being unjustly brought into court um so that's one thing is keeping the church from like falling into into that trap and keeping god's people from falling into that trap the other thing is what caught what what allows the gospel to flourish the most and i think that's that's a much harder question to answer because i think if i were to look around the various countries that are out there under different governments if you look at where the church is growing most, it's probably under regimes that are, you know, persecuting the church more than more than allowing it to f- flourish. But then if I go mm-hmm. back into the history of America, what caused the biggest explosion of the gospel was the freedom that was available here, you know, in America. So it's a hard it's a hard line to walk i think and i think we have to struggle for nuance we have to push for nuance like it's not just as simple as just saying well you know he's being unjust unjustly you know brought into court and so therefore he's a martyr and things like that it's it's actually like pushing much harder into the situation and going okay that's not entirely true and What's going to allow the gospel to function the best, flourish the best? And I think history has proven the gospel will flourish under any kind of regime. So how much am I hooked onto? We 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 must have a country that's free. We must have a country of with free speech and things like that, and and uh, and advocate for that when I know that even if we're driven underground, the gospel is still going to be preached, and mm-hmm. there's nothing that's going to kill. God's kingdom. Does that make sense? 
-hmm. You know, how do you articulate that? How do you articulate that without sounding like a communist? Or like you want communism and socialism to take root? I don't. I would, I want to be free. You know, I don't want people Mm -hmm. standing at the door of the church and and arresting people. I don't think that's good for humanity. I don't think that's good for my neighbor. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, where do you, when do you cross the line where now you're, you're worrying about things that you shouldn't be worrying about? You know, I don't know. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I I don't know. Yeah. I I think you cross a line when your public identity, you want to be known and distinguished as someone who is, has hitched your wagons to a movement and a person and an end and a goal other than Christ. And that could be a hard one, too. Does that mean we shouldn't, you know, post things on social media about who we're voting for and try to persuade people in the public square that we should retreat from the the public square? I'm not saying that at all. Uh, That's not helpful uh, to to just, you know, exit the conversation, you know, kind of the Benedict option. But the... At the same time, if if what everyone knows about you is that you're a Trump person, yeah, or you're not a Trump person, um, where where I mean, where is Jesus? We're we're Jesus people. Jesus is the King. We're citizens of the kingdom. That's our polity. Yeah, that's our politic. That's our membership. That that's that's our corporate and personal identity. And Jesus is an actual affront and challenge to every earthly throne, right? And every earthly people, uh, even while he's, you know, obviously saving the nations and the Great Commission, and that being our saving people from every every nation. There is no, I mean, sure, are are nations more or less friendly to Christianity? And in terms of open doors, support, America has a long history of supporting religious freedom and being grounded and, and built on uh, religious freedom in its constitution. Um, but in terms of how I'm responding to what's going on in our, our world today, what do I want people to know about me? Who do I want people to see me as? And... Um, I just th- this is another opportunity for people to want to find themselves in 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 one one camp. Yeah, you know this is a banana republic, or Trump needs to go to jail. He's a criminal, and and so you got to pick a side. And yeah. I'm like, we don't really have a side there. You know, um, in one sense, I look at this and I go, yeah, this is this looks political. Yeah, you know that that would be my take, and in other sense, I'm like, this is why the law is there. No one's above the law, so, you know, I'm thankful that the president um, didn't do what a I thought he would do, which is, you know, resist and start a war, you know, right. um, and tell people to revolt and you know go light cities on fire. I'm glad he didn't do that in this moment. I could have been eruptive. Yeah. Um, instead, there was a, a peaceful submitting to the law. You know, for 30 minutes, the president was arrested and could not leave. He was under the order of a court. Yeah. And that is, that I think was good in saying, 
in communicating implicitly, maybe explicitly, that we're all we're all going to submit to the law here. Yeah. And trusting that the law is going to have its, um, but how hard? How hard? Law is going to ha- have its day. How hard do Christians fight to preserve America as we've known it? So, so what if what if the wagon that you're hitching yourself to is not Trump, not a man, but it's an idea? It's a, a an idea of freedom of speech and freedom of religion and you know right to peaceably assemble and right to bear arms and um, right to a, a fair trial and those kinds of things. When we know we know those those concepts are justified biblically, right? At least many of them are justified biblically. Um, the right to personal property, things like that. So mm-hmm. we know those things are justified biblically, and I would say those are good things. And I think we should have those things. And I think we should push for those things and vote for those things. But how hard do I fight for those things when those things are not inherently the kingdom of God. I could have freedom of speech and not have Jesus, right? So how hard do I as a Christian advocate for and fight for those things when that's not necessarily the kingdom of Christ? Though I would say that where Christianity is, a lot of these principles are going to follow. If you had a Christian government what is that government going to do for its citizens? What's well, going to protect their right to freedom of speech, right? It's going to protect the right of mm-hmm. the freedom of religion and things like that. But you can have the freedom of religion and not have the Christianity on the other side. So I, I think that's where the difficulty is, especially in this moment in time, is I look at what ha- what's happening to Trump and I'm like, that's not, that doesn't seem fair to be brought into court that doesn't seem just at all to be brought into court and to not be told what you're being accused of. I, I think you should you should have to make the crime clear. This is the crime that you're you committed or we're accusing you of committing and we're gonna try you on these grounds. You should have to do that, I think. And that, that seems like that seems just. Mm-hmm. So and I, and I think that is, I think justice is a biblical concept. God invented justice, right? We wouldn't know justice if we didn't know God. But then at the same time, just because I have, we have justice and we have the rule of law doesn't mean we're any more Christian than we were before, you know? So what am I fighting for? Am I fighting for the rule of law and the pre- preser- you know the preserving of justice, or am I fighting for Christ? And where do those two things cross, and how do I do that? You know, do I, do I just check out politically and just say like, who cares about any of that? I'm just going to preach the gospel. But it seems like the gospel is actually saying a lot about how our society should function. You know, so the, it seems like there there has to be some overlap there. It seems like really a really uh, a, a, a pleasantly uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, like it's kind of a luxurious question to even be asking 
like in terms of government, like most of the Christians around the world in many, many countries, they're not even, they don't have this. They're not, there's not a question to ask. It's revolt and die or be at peace. Try to stick to, you know, put your head down, be a good Christian. Well, and this is largely the the worldview that the Bible is written in, the New Testament at least is written in. Yeah. I mean, so we're going through Acts right now, and you've got the very, you know, at the very beginning, the the apostles are immediately put in prison, and they're told by the chief priest, and they're told by later Caesar governments, who are, you know, cuts people's heads off and kills apostles, quit preaching in the name of Jesus, quit telling that Jesus has raised for, that Jesus has risen from the dead, quit doing that. And you got Peter's famous statement, we must obey God rather than men. No, we're not going to do that. So when the government or any any institution comes and says, you cannot talk about Jesus, you must stop talking about Jesus, we obey God rather than men. And, and then I, I think there is concentrically circles down to when do we begin to do something different. You've got, you know, the question of like Dietrich Bonhoeffer joining an assassination plot right. against Adolf Hitler. Is that is like should a pastor, you know, have have joined in that kind of plot? You look back in history and you think that's a you feel like that's a no brainer. Like so much evil, so so immense, a small window of people and a small window of opportunity to try to make this stop. Um, you know, for for mercy's sake, for your neighbor, for country's sake, for millions of lives' sake, we would we would do uh, we would assassinate Hitler together. Was the plot? Was you know that being Bonhoeffer never that that plot was failed. But to, to put it down to the Trump example, like we're not in that situation where people are outright lives at stake. I mean, you could go back and the abortion thing with children at stake and lives at stake. You could maybe make a different case there. I don't know. That, that would be another question. But in this situation, we're talking about political expediency. We're talking about the misuse of law, which happens all the time and has happened many times. Uh, in the legislative process, it's happened many times. In multiple levels of courts, it's happened many times. And I don't see how this is any different than letting letting the law work itself out. Yeah. You know, even even if the intentions for this are are ornery and 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 skewed, uh it is going through the legal system and it's going to have to face a jury and it's going to have to face judges. And it th- there are opportunities for appeal. So it's in it's within the legal system and it's the legal system's job to tell this, you know, New York DA, this is a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff. No, you know, that's not illegal. So we're not going to, to you know, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, charge for that or, you know, criminalize that. Um, so I, I think this is a process where the president did the right thing, showing up, taking it, plead not guilty, let his lawyers do the job, and let us... Uh, let the legal system do its job, and it could fail. 
you know, it could do something wrong. It's going to do something wrong. This is not Jesus King territory. This is even men in their best imperfect territory in our government. So, you know, in this specific case, we're not being asked to, to disobey God. We're not being told uh, we must bow down to um, uh, to this golden statue which Nebuchadnezzar has built or go into the furnace. I don't think that's the, the situation that we're in. And so until our government says, you can't talk about Jesus, right? Now, I'm, but I wonder if you want to— if you want to, there are some places where those kinds of things are happening. Ah, but you look at transgender stuff. Like you, you can't say I'm not a girl, and the legal system is demanding. In some places, or sports communities are demanding, you must recognize this boy as a girl. We begin to have those kinds of implications. Whereas Christians, we say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, I, but but I, I won't do that. What if it's a little bit more? Uh, that's what I'm saying with nuance. Like it's it. I feel like if you're thinking through the Book of Revelation, there are uh, perhaps tactics at work that uh, that do end up shifting our allegiance without us even thinking about it. So, yeah, w- what does it mean to bow down to the beast? It could mean it could mean you denounce Christ and just overtly, you know, abandon the gospel altogether. Yeah. But it could also mean that your God become yeah so that you can buy food, right, right. kind of situation. Yeah, but uh, it could yeah. mean that you swear allegiance to or that you you become known as the. Um, card-carrying, you know, Republican, Trump-voting, you know, person whose salvation, who who sees his salvation in the political process. And I think we are actually very much in danger of doing that. I, I don't think that the church, on the whole, is... I, I know there are churches that are doing this, but but I'm saying I don't think the church as a whole is in 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 danger of saying, you know, forget Jesus altogether. Uh, and I'm talking about conservative Christian Bible believing churches. I'm not talking about you know churches that have already you know set sail into the distance. But I'm talking about Bible believing churches. I I, I don't think uh, the there there's uh, they're in danger of saying, forget Jesus. But I do think they are in danger of saying our salvation is in this political process. So think about churches and, and I, you and I both know of the one that I'm going to bring up uh, that, that write a hymn, make America great again, along with the campaign slogan for Donald Trump they have they replace the sermon with interviews from Fox News personalities and and things like that inside their worship service and um, have Make America Great Again services have the July Fourth service where it's got the flag and it's got you know outside of sprinkling a little bit of you know kind of God bless the USA sort of 
uh, language on top of it. It is largely an American uh, service. It's Americanity. I think we are so much more in danger of that than ever saying, I, I hate Jesus and I'll, you know, Donald Trump is, is the Messiah. I don't think that's really happening as much as it is going, our salvation is in the Constitution being restored to its rightful place, justice being, you know, everything being adjudicated just so like it used to be, um, you know, conservative-leaning presidents and things like that. So much more of, of, of our abandonment of Jesus is in that addiction to the way things used to be and restoring all of that to its present state then I think it is abandoning Jesus altogether. And I, I think that is a lot of what's happening in Revelation. Yes, there is a lot of it that yep. is is where where the government is coming down with an iron fist and saying, you will, and the, the Christians yep. are being tempted to submit to that. You're being killed. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're being gonna, killed, you're yes. But imagine yeah. the political or the, the philosophical ideology of the beast coming to you and asking mm-hmm. you to bow down. What does it look like philosophically for the beast to come to to Christians and get them to submit? And and I th- and and that's where I think we're in we're in danger. Mm-hmm. It's it's really troubling yeah, it's, when you think about it. It is an abandonment of Christ by syncretism. Yeah. By by saying the salvation that we have in God that God can give us and will grant us if we're faithful to him, you know, if this nation prays and, and seeks God, then he'll he'll save us and save this nation, and this will be a great nation and a free nation. Second Chronicles and seven fourteen. That's that yeah. that becomes the hope. And you if you try to hold that together, say, Oh, I'm doing that and that is my and and here's the here's the hard part, I think. You could you could vote for the same person. You could vote for some of the same policies yep. that are common sense freedom. Yes. And one, simply to be doing it because that's the best form of government that I think is good and biblical and fair and free. The next person will be doing the same, same voting for the same person. I mean, Trump is a great example. Well, people voted for him for all kinds of reasons in 2016. Right. You know, some people it was yeah, it's just just for the Supreme Court justices. You know, the guy is crazy, right. but you know, it's, my, it's our best shot at the Supreme Court. So, you know, we're voting for justices, and uh, you, you have the same vote. But there does seem to be this kind of cultural, you know, sway. Robert Jeffress, First Baptist Dallas That's movement the that yeah. is, yeah, that was my that was my one guess. That, <laughs> that Jack is, Graham too, Prestonwood. Exactly, syncretize in a way that is or threatens to be an abandonment of the actual hope or actual inheritance in heaven and of the actual citizenship that we have in Christ and our salvation from the world that we're in, into heaven. And it's it's that kind of... You know, we, we, we could end up voting for the same candidate every election for the next 40 years. Right. Um, but, but that syncretistic hope of salvation will show up in your church, too. 
Yeah. Well, so what did it lead to? It's not just Wait, a, it's not just a policy about and you know so you use Robert Jefferson since you brought him up. It's not just about that. This is the greater concern. That syncretism doesn't just stay as a personal policy that I have about what's biblical good for freedom, for your loving your neighbor, and fairness out in the government. It becomes worship in the church. Yeah. It becomes something we bring into our worship service. It becomes yeah. the songs that we sing when we gather as a church. It becomes the movement that we're hoping to win and the identity that we see ourselves as. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not just Christians who happen to live in America. Increasingly, I, th- I feel as patriotic as ever, but increasingly I feel myself thinking about myself as a Christian who by God's providence lives in this country. Right. But I'm a Christian who is an American. Rather than thinking I'm a Christian, you know, I, I'm an I'm an American who's a Christian almost. Yeah. You yeah. know? And that that emphasis of hopefulness it is ultimately bordering and I think has become for many ultimately an abandonment of the gospel. Yeah. Itself. Well if you look at what it a led misrepresentation to. of Christ. All the people that were surrounded, that surrounded Trump in sixteen from sixteen to twenty, it, Robert Jeffress, both two Southern Baptists, uh, Robert Jeffress and Jack Graham. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Dallas. Jack Graham is the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in uh, Plano. It's in the North Dallas area. It's and Preston, um, Preston World, yeah, Preston World. It's one of the biggest churches in Texas. Um, yeah. Which is saying something. Um, so actually probably two of the biggest churches in Texas. So they surround Trump. And another one that was brought in is Paula White, who is a prosperity gospel huckster, not even a Christian, but plays one on TV. And they end up, the two Southern Baptist pastors end up promoting her book. And, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at that going, that is what, the philosophy of the beast is doing that that is what bowing mm-hmm. down to the beast looks like when it's not bowing down in in like a um in like a forceful literally bending a knee and submitting and and that kind of thing that's what bowing down to the philosophy of the beast looks like is when you uh in order to gain the political win you do whatever is expedient whatever is necessary with and you really abandon all the you know the boundaries of the gospel and that that's what i think is so challenging about the whole you know to bring it back full circle about the whole trump trial in new york is not it's it's not really even just kind of like what you were saying it's not really even just about the rule of law or about the justice system it, it's it's more about as christians how do we properly walk that line where we don't fall into the traps that are that are laid out there where he becomes the martyr and we're like win at all costs and you know and that becomes salvation for us if trump gets off and and alvin bragg gets his and and the new york justice system just implodes upon itself and that's how we'll have salvation that's how we'll have a win you know i can't help but see that as beastly thinking right I mean that's just that's trying to score political points in the here and now. And and mm-hmm. and 
and it's not it, bad. It's it's good. It's just not final. It's just not permanent. It's just right. And, and that's the other thing. Away. It's like you don't want to. You don't want on the other side go. I want communism and socialism. I don't want that. I don't think that's good yeah. for anybody. Okay, and I don't think it ever has yeah. been. And, and and but you know, but as a church, you kind of have to walk both walk the line between the two and say no to that and no to that either. We think that this is the we want justice to prevail, mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely sure what that all looks like and but i'm I, what i pray for and the end that i pray to is that uh that that justice does come about even through this kind of seemingly crooked process that justice ends up prevailing and at the same time i think as a christian we can sit back and we can be patient and we can still be loving and we can still be kind and we can still preach the gospel, and and at the same time we can say, this stuff isn't this stuff isn't right, you know, and where there is injustice, I think we can speak to it, you know, and I, I so you know we can say I think I, I don't think it's right that a, that a person would be accused of a crime that we don't even know what the crime is that's never even told to him. I don't think that's right. That's not just, mm-hmm. you know. And at the yeah. same time, I don't know. I'm sure he's done a lot of things that I think are, you know not good either and he's should pay a price for that you know mm-hmm. so it's it's i think it's just a difficult line to walk in it and i think we as christians just have to be aware that bowing down to the beast is not just a physical intimidation it's also philosophical and we really have to keep mm-hmm. our eyes open for those kinds of philosophical attacks and my take on it anyway yeah yeah and it comes down it, it can come down to as close as the affections of your heart yeah and what you love what keeps you up at night what makes you afraid what makes you hopeful you know um i'm going to be preaching psalm 43 here in a, in a few weeks <laughs> lord willing and uh so i've had to start reading on that familiarizing That's at my myself church with it that's correct and the the psalm starts with uh, presumably David doesn't have a name to it for God to defend his cause against ungodly from the deceitful and unjust and the the prayer is for God to do the delivering for God to do the defending that that you're my God God I take refuge in you. I don't understand why I'm being oppressed. I don't understand why I'm being uh, mistreated, why life is so terrible. I don't understand why life sucks so bad. And now you're letting the enemies win is what it looks like. Um, but the, the psalmist ends with, you know, listen, all I can do is come back and praise the Lord. My, my salvation is God. My joy is God. My hope is God. That's all I've got. And if that's not the, the deep seat heart that you have, and you're afraid that we're going to lose something if Trump doesn't get something, or if your candidate or the Supreme Court falls, or if you're afraid for your life, for your temporary well-being, for your eternity, um, that's not a Christian. No. 
that's not the gospel. Jesus, so I was thankful. I was thinking through this with our associate yesterday and just we were praying through it. And, you know, he he was helpful to mention, you know, like there's a Davidic aspect of this. There's a corporate aspect of this. There's a Christological aspect of this. There's a church aspect to this where this is for all of those people and us. And you see this in the gospel. Christ Christ went to the cross through a rigged court. Yeah. This couldn't be more unjust. Falsely accused, totally innocent. You know, they wrote King of Jews over his head and mocked him, and he died. And he didn't revile, First Peter. He, he didn't revile those who reviled him. He, he did what we're supposed to do, which is entrust ourselves to the Lord, who is the just judge. And remember that vengeance is his. I think the passivity that the Lord could potentially call us to without trying to advocate for passivism entirely, that, that the Christians let God defend me position is more radical than I think we might be ready to, uh, to believe for a lot, of, a lot of us. And I've thought about it as well. Like, you know, it, it sounds like doing nothing. And it sounds like letting evil win. It sounds like not caring about people, potentially. But in a sense, we pray, we preach the gospel, we live holy, righteous lives, we're generous, and we let God do the defending. And if we're going to die, we, we might die losing on earth. And, and we'll be vindicated in the end. Yeah. God, God, will, God will justify his name and his people in the end. He didn't promise that he was going to do that before, you know, before we close our eyes for the last time. Yeah. No one promises that. Yeah. So, um, but the, the Lord is the judge. And in fact, I mean, we could go on and on. Paul, Paul tells the church, you judge those inside the church. God judges those outside. Right. God will take care of it just fine. You know, no one's getting away with anything. Right. right. Um, so yeah, yeah. preach, Pray, live, let God work it out. Yeah. It's a good message. Not to preach. So you can come here hope and I preach could, that? Hope. <laughs> if we could just play that, maybe. Yeah. That, that's, that's all I we'll got. Get the, we'll get the that's, transcript worked out, and you can just that's all I paste, have to, paste that in. Pretty much all I have to say about that chapter. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Maybe we can arrange a potluck for that day. And uh, yeah. we can we just gonna, get to the be food. A hymn sing get day. to the food quick. It's going to be a, a hymn day with uh, a devotion. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. You know, my people will thank you for that. So <laughs> they'll be like, man, we like it when Nathan preaches. Short. I'm going to try to do a 28 minute sermon. Yeah. And just sit down and That's, uh, I, I was barbecue. I was told by a pastor friend of mine one time if you go short, nobody will hate you. If you go long, yeah. everybody will hate you. So Yeah. <laughs> I was our associate it's one of the first true. time he preached was like 30, 30 something minutes. And uh and I saw another pastor. I, he he was he mentioned this a while back too. His associate preached a lot shorter than him. And he was like, dude, we can't do that, man. <laughs> you, can't, you can't you can't do that to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta preach a normal sermon, bro. Yeah, you add add something. Yeah, 
Yeah. When people when like people that. come up to me and they're like they're like I, I like it. he preached shorter you know it's like well when you don't have enough wisdom I mean you just what are you gonna do yeah you know you when you just, don't have anything to say when you, you don't have do? anything to yeah. say then you're he'll gonna go grow short. into it yeah, <laughs> yeah. he'll he'll get better give give him time yeah. <laughs> uh yeah anyway well uh good talking right. to you same see you next week. for listening to the fire and bones podcast if you enjoyed this podcast consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you and most importantly share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links including our contact information feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the fire and bones podcast Thank you.